Full for Breakfast, your weekly dose of dingers and zingers. My name is Matt Nadell. I am joined by two of my very good friends, Logan Strobing and Brendan Mallon. We're all huge baseball fans, and we want to share our knowledge and some of our arguments about baseball to you guys. I'll start by introducing myself. So again, my name is Matt Nadell. Uh, I am a senior at Binghamton University studying accounting. I am a baseball history blogger and author, and I've been doing so for eight years. Um, I, I'm kind of the historical perspective on this podcast, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to get schooled by, by some of the more contemporary arguments, but don't worry, I, I accept some analytics. Please, please do not fret at my archaic interpretation of the game, if you will. Boys, why don't you introduce yourselves? So yeah, this is Brendan over here. I am also a senior at Binghamton University and I am majoring in analytics and information systems. I am a 15 year Met fan, so that's 15 years of everyday drama and heartache. Uh, my first Mets game was 2005 against, at Shea Stadium against, against the San Francisco Giants. And I've been really hooked ever since, especially when they had the playoff run and switched to SNY in 2006. So I've been a Mets diehard and I'm really excited to be a part of this podcast if we can discuss our baseball, you know, opinions or perspectives on the game and just give you our insight. Hey guys, I'm Logan Strobing. I am also a senior at Binghamton University. I am a neuroscience major, however, definitely more into nursing than anything with the brain. I'm also a massive Yankee fan and uh, I'm excited to bring some winning insight into this group 27 championships baby <laughs> yeah he'll, he'll talk about the the history but definitely uh definitely huge in the yankees and i'm definitely excited to get some uh, arguments in here but uh with that we'll move on to today's topic which uh we're gonna bring to you our rankings of the top 10 best players in baseball in the past decade so listen the decade just ended 2010 to 2019 a lot happened a lot didn't happen and uh, a lot of players made a lot of big moments. So we have our list of 10 players each, hitters and pitchers included, and some DHs, I think we could accept them as hitters, um, that we have compiled separately, and we're gonna be sharing them with you today. Yeah, I think it's really a fascinating conversation because it kind of ties in the players that we grew up watching, and that really were the first players we watched as baseball fans, and now, where they're covering at the end of the decade more of a more contemporary players, more players that have debuted within you know the middle of the decade, midish to late decade. So yeah, it's to be also the game has really changed a ton within the last decade in terms of how home runs have spiked across the league. We've seen strikeouts spike across the league every season, if for batters and for pitchers of like. Um, so yeah, we're really gonna see that within our analysis of these players. Spoiler, uh, spoiler alert, no Derek Jeter or David Wright on any lists. So I apologize for all you Yankees and Mets fans out there that wanted to see them. Uh, who would like to share their list first? Are we, so we're starting with the top, right? We could start with the top. I mean, look, I, listeners at home, it, it, it's pretty simple. I, we, we, we have discussed our lists prior, but we kind of all... I mean, everyone should really be in agreement of who we have at the top. So, I mean, maybe we should just say it on three together. All right? I'll say three, two, one. Trout. Mike Trout. Luis Guillorme. Okay. <laughs> it, yeah, it's obviously Mike Trout. I mean, like, so uh, Brendan loves to argue that Mike Trout's the greatest player in baseball history. I'm not going to say that just He's yet. He's well on his way <laughs> to becoming the best player of all time. And Babe Ruth is just going to have to sit there and do nothing about it. <laughs> you know, he's just sitting in his grave waiting for someone to overtake him. But, I mean, listen. So, in Mike Trout debuted in 2011, Rookie of the Year in 2012, um, All-Star every year after that, MVP candidate, top two in, I think, eight of the nine years that he... Well, seven of the eight years that he was playing real baseball in the decade, came in first three times, led the league in walks... Uh, three times, runs four times, OBP four times, slugging three times, OPS four times, OPS plus five to uh, six times, including his rookie season. There is no doubt that Mike Trout is the best hitter in baseball now and has been the best hitter for the past decade. So He's, he's also kind of got even better. His game more so when he was called up was he was kind of a nice blend between a speedster and 
a nice power hitter, contact hitter. He's really kind of dished the stolen bases over the past few years, and this last half of the cent- of the decade, he's really become one of the top five power hitters in the sport with 40 home run seasons within the last two or three years. It's really crazy to think he's only won three MVPs considering he has not had a down season. His seasons are above OPS in every season is either 900 or above. It's really crazy to think also how many second place or third place finishes he has in MVP. Meaning yeah, that really every year that he's coming, every year that he hasn't come in first, he's come in second except for one, and that was the year that he was injured. That was the year he was injured, and like as the players have kind of and the game has evolved around him, Mike Trout has been the constant, and he's been fantastic, and has been the template of a baseball player for this decade. Also, there is something we haven't even discussed, which is the fact that a he is an incredible defender. So that's, you can't even, if, even if you're just talking strictly offense, he's probably the best. And then you add in stellar defense in a premier position. I mean, it's there. The only knock on his entire resume is playoffs. And it's just not it's, there for It's him. his team. It's, it's, yeah, it you really can't is. even blame it on him. I'm not. That's why I haven't won. And not really for a lack of trying either. Otani, Rendon, Pujols, and Hamilton were brought in in the earlier part of the decade. So they throw money at players to build a core around Mike Trout, but really... Bad pitching, bad management, bad bullpen have really held this team back. And other teams, such as the Astros and the the Athletics, have really haven't taken a grasp of that division and have held Mike Trout to only one playoff series throughout the decade. Yeah, and they I think they lost like in a sweep. They swept. They got swept by the Royals in three. Yeah. 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 So, uh, listen, he uh, <laughs> in, in the future you gotta hope. I mean, it's it's bad for baseball. He hasn't made the playoffs, but. Considering he's the face of it. Exactly. And, and, and yeah, well, honestly, that's even arguable, but he's certainly the best player. We're all, no one's going to argue that he's not the best player. He's on the West Coast. How many people actually have to watch him play on a daily basis is another He's also the smallest caveat. market LA team. It's not like he's on the Dodgers. But listen, we're picking hairs here. He's the best player in the game. Uh, but speaking of LA. <laughs> yeah, speaking of LA, the, the runner-up I think that we all have here is Kershaw. Right, I mean Clayton Kershaw. Yes. Yes, if we want to get technical, but uh, <laughs> if, you is... want, if we want to get technical by saying his first name, yeah. Sure. <laughs> the thing with Kershaw is that he is one of the best pitchers in history. If you're looking at ERA and pure dominance, you can get into the Cy Youngs. He's got uh, three, so he's in this decade. So he's obviously been extremely dominant, 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 dominant. That's He's the also word. That's there, the word. there. You go. He also has an MVP, which is you know very rare for pitchers. Obviously, there's only one other player that we could name of in this decade that has done that as a pitcher. And we'll, we'll get, get to him, him in a second. <laughs> we'll get to him soon. But Kershaw has had everything you could ask for from a pitcher, minus maybe the playoff success. However, he's been there plenty of times, and he's at least tested. So he's my number two easily, and frankly, it's not even close. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm five-time ERA champ, three-time strikeout champ, four-time whip champ. He's also got, like, the best, like, signature pitch in baseball. Like, I I don't think his 12-6 curve is, like, letting up any home runs anytime soon. Even now that he's not uh, as young or as prosperous as he used to be. Like, like this, like, Prime Kershaw is the best that we have seen, maybe even that our parents have seen. I mean, his ERA, it it ranks some, like his career ERA, and even his ERA within the last decade ranks somewhere like in the 30s all time. But most of those pitchers haven't pitched for maybe half a century or even more. So Kershaw is a being or a monster that we have not seen in quite a while. You guys know how old Clayton Kershaw is? Because I know, I'm, I'm looking at his page, but do you guys know how, how old Clayton Kershaw is? My guess would be like 31. 32. He's, he's 32, yeah, right on the nose. So Kershaw has been in the league since 2008. It's 12 seasons, he's 32 years old. He has evolved so much as a pitcher, coming up as a flamethrower southpaw, and has really developed in kind of um, really a finesse pitcher as he's kind of broken down a little bit over the past few years. His curveball is still one of the top curveballs in the game in terms of spin rate and strikeout rate. His fastball is definitely diminished in velocity, but he can still throw it for strikes. He's got a crazy windup too, and that's got to throw up. He's had, yeah, he's had um, some neck and back issues that have plagued him, but his numbers have not suffered as a result. He's missed some starts. He's not had 30 starts in a season since 2015. But he, when he's on the mound, he's gonna throw you a good game, and he's kind of looking lost in the shuffle. I think, in terms of discussing the greatest pitcher, greatest pitchers in the game recently, because of you know he has been hurt, he hasn't been 
1.9 ERA, Clayton Kershaw of the beginning of the decade, but he's still an ace. He's still going to give you a sub three. Yeah, he'll still give you a sub three ERA with a pretty nice strikeout rate. He's got a good Dodgers team behind him. The really only caveat again with Trout, the playoffs. It's the playoffs and the West Coast Sigma. Kershaw is not have he's had plenty of chances to rectify his October success. His October rose really, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and yeah, he has, not, he has not won a World Series. The Dodgers have not won a World Series since 1988. So Kershaw and this core around him with Bats and Bellinger have not been able to get it done. So and really, a lot of it, but but a lot of it is on Kershaw. Kershaw has Fair. blown plenty of games against the Cardinals. He blew a game coming out of the bullpen against the Astros in 2017, and he's had a nice supporting cast over the years with Granky in the rotation. It's kind of just it, Walker Buehler has emerged, but it really is just Kershaw now. Let's time. let's not put all the weight on him, but he definitely hasn't shown up when his team needed him most as the best pitcher in baseball, at least in the regular season. He's the equivalent of Peyton Manning, if you will. Maybe. That's not a bad comparison, huh? Well, That's not well, for, also, for eligible pitchers, really, for the past, I've thrown a minimum of 1,500 innings. Kershaw's ERA is by far the lowest among actives. Kershaw's ERA is currently at 2.31, and other, I think Jacob DeGrom is probably the other current guy that has like even close to that ERA. So just to show you just how much of a amazing star Kershaw had to his career, he's clearly been the best pitcher in baseball, if not currently, at least for the past decade. Absolutely. Uh, so now I think, I, I can't say for sure, here, but... Here comes the divisiveness. <laughs> yeah, I, so I'll start with my number three player of the decade here, and... I think it's important for the same reasons that Kershaw is my two. I like to think of Verlander as my third best player in the decade, and I'll well, tell you once why. again, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander. Sorry, <laughs> I. It's so King ubiquitous. Verlander. King, yeah, he's a king to me. Now I'll tell you why. Did she change her name? Her last name. Oh, uh, his wife. Kate Upton? Yes. I'm not sure no. if she changed why her name. Why would she? Why would you change her name? Another Kate reason. Upton. Another reason why he's the greatest pitcher <laughs> in um, the American League. Now listen, so. We are talking about a guy who won two Cy Youngs, one to start the decade, one to end the decade, right, on two different teams. We're talking about a guy who won an MVP as a pitcher, right, which again, Kershaw has done it, Verlerda has done it, riddle me this, do you know anyone else that has? That's one, two... A pitcher that's won an MVP. Kershaw. Right, there it is. That, the list ends there. It Within the last decade, yes. Easily. So, I think with that alone... That puts Verlander ahead. Now, I can understand why Scherzer might be there, and I, I presume Scherzer will be there for other people in this room. However, I'll tell you this. The war is so close, but Verlander winning in the beginning and the end of the decade, Cy Youngs on different teams, and maintaining that success, and having only one season with an ERA above a 3.5, the rest being almost all under 3. He's been that dominant over that long of a period of time, with the peak being so high, and that's not even talking about playoff success, where he made the Yankees look like a Little League team multiple times. I mean, they're in a Little League stadium. So. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but Verlander's my three. He's, he's my three, and I stick to it. But let's hear what other people have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think Verlander is great. I, like, for his seasonal averages over the decade, 16-9... and nine, I mean, wins aren't such a great stat anymore, but bear with me. 16-9, a 310 ERA, 226 strikeouts, a whip of 1.077, and an ERA plus of 136. That's some pretty solid numbers. He's been on some pretty good teams, too. But Scherzer's numbers are just so close to him that on my list, Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer are tied for third. So to give you Scherzer's split, uh, seasonal averages... 16-7, and 3.12 ERA, 245 strikeouts, a whip of 1.068, and an ERA plus of 134. Those stats alone, to me, are so, so close. And it's so interesting to imagine that if Scherzer just didn't sign with the Nationals, the Tigers could have been so much better, <laughs> but instead they got stuck with Jordan Zimmerman. That's so funny. I, that, <laughs> yeah, that is good... Um, yeah, they never won a championship in that run where they had Verlander, Scherzer, and David Price, prime David Price in their starting rotation. 
Yeah, and well, to break up a bit, you know, I like that Logan mentioned that Verlander kind of bookmarked the decade with two different Cy Young awards with two different teams. I still have to go with Max Scherzer due to really just the consistent do- the consistent dominant dominancy of Scherzer throughout the decade. Verlander had a little bit of a period where through a season and a half he was going through some injuries, and he had one time an ERA over three point five, which is still not bad. But Scherzer has had not have a has not had a bad season since winning the Cy Young in 2013. He beats Verlander in strikeout rate, ERA, and FIP. So Verlander has also pitched 500 more innings than Max Scherzer. I think that's not true. 100 innings more than Max Scherzer. So so where is Verlander and Scherzer on your list? Just to give some visual. No, I said oh yeah. So Scherzer is third on my list, and I'm giving Scherzer more. Credit because in less in fewer innings he has accumulated a higher WAR than Justin Verlander. He has a higher strikeout rate. He has a better ERA and FIP. If you if you care for wins, I mean I don't really do, but they have pretty identical win records. Verlander at one sixty and one sixty one. And yeah, Scherzer. I mean, if you want to have, I know Logan mentioned the Cy Young awards. Scherzer's got three of them. So if you want to, for in the decade, Scherzer has Scherzer has three Cy Young awards and Verlander has two. I'll argue JV should have had more. The fact that Porcello won is laughable. Looking back, it was laughable at the time. Gotta love wins. There were, a, there were a couple seasons in there where Verlander really had some crazy numbers, didn't benefit from playing in the AL, which should be noted. Let's just point out before Brennan continues, JV played all Justin Verlander's entire year. Entire career the with the DH. Yeah, that's with huge. A DH. That's, that's a huge difference. Absolutely Now it's huge. being changed, right? Ver, uh, Scherzer definitely played... A couple, I think it was two or three, right, in the AL, and then moved on to the NL. He went to Arizona was, first, and then he went to Detroit right. for a quick stint, and then he signed with Washington. Yeah, right. So those those seven years with Washington, where he played no DH in a, also in a in a not so strong NL East offensively. I don't know. I give me Verlander all day. It's all day like, day. I will like, say this too with Scherzer, he's an innings eater and a strikeouts machine. Through that period, like you know, if you guys know what a seven year like Jaws period is, like you're kind of your peak. Yeah. You highlight your peak prime, really, with your statistics. Scherzer had a period of, like, six straight or seven straight seasons with 200 innings and 200-plus strikeouts with an ERA under 3.15 every time. Verlander didn't have that. He had a little bit of an up and down, but he really turned it around after getting traded to the Houston Astros. So for that, Scherzer really also came close to supplanting Kershaw as the best pitcher in baseball throughout the later, later part of the decade. So Scherzer gets the nod from me. Verlander, we'll see where he ranks a little bit later on, but he's definitely going to be in the top ten. He's a great pitcher, but Scherzer for me tops him just a little bit. So again, Scherzer and Verlander are tied for me. It sounds like Logan's argument is that it's kind of the reverse of Mike Mussina, where Scherzer played in a week NL East, and when Mussina was elected into the Hall of Fame, a lot of people said that he deserved it because he played in a very competitive American League East. And... Brendan's argument is just that Scherzer was more consistent. More consistently dominant and yeah. had better numbers and fewer innings. So so that's where I'm at a crossroads. So for my list... list did we get, now you got to choose, right? Uh, we don't have to. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say that I'll give the edge to Verlander because I didn't, I didn't even think of the, the DH, the designated hitter idea. I think that is a really good point. Uh, just based on competition, even though I don't totally love Mike Bacino in the Hall of Fame. Whatever. <laughs> but We're not talking about 3.6 here, right? We're talking about 3.1. No, I know. I am well aware of that. Guys. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, but it, they're, they're both so good. They are both so good. And they could both, like later on in the decade, you could argue that they were better than Kershaw. I hate you, to say they, it, they, but... They pretty much were. They yeah. pretty much were. A couple pitchers actually had a good claim there, especially very recently. But uh, moving on, I'll, I'll, so my top three to sum up has been Trout, Kershaw, Verlander. Number four is going to be Mad Max, Max Scherzer for me, for the reasons that Brendan just said and Matt just said. He is incredible, and statistically, he is so, so close to Verlander. I just give the edge to Verlander. But I can't put another player between the two. They're that close. Of course, yeah. That's yeah. why I was having a hard time. Right. So that's my four. Matt, what's your four? 
My four, so so I would say that Justin Verlander is three, and I would put Scherzer at four. So right now we're identical. Oh, look at us. Look at us agreeing for once. <laughs> All right, Brendan, what about you? So you're pretty committal to having Verlander at three and Scherzer at four. You broke, oh. your, you broke your stance on, on the tie. Sure, why not? Let's We could say that for the podcast. That's a win for me right here. For, for, for the integrity of the podcast, I'll say that Logan won this round. Sorry, Brendan. <laughs> Who do you have at number four? Fair enough. Actually, I might ruffle some feathers here in terms of the pitcher's ranking. Hey, whoa. I mentioned before with my case for Scherzer is that I, when I look for a starting pitcher is who is the most dominant? Who is going to get the most strikeouts? Who is going to prevent the least, the, the least amount of runs from scoring? Scherzer did that for me. Chris Sale has almost a identical ERA over the decade, even, maybe even a better ERA than Max Scherzer with an even higher strikeout rate. He hasn't pitched 200 innings as many times as Max Scherzer, but his ERA is consistently below three. He's played for pretty poor White Sox teams, but he's really had great success and has had two seasons with strikeouts above 250 for the year. His career ERA is like a 3.303. He debuted in the league in 2010, so it's really been an actual... He's only pitched in this decade, and his numbers, his strikeout rate... Dude, it does it for me for Verlander. He does it for me. He... Just shown he's more dominant when he pitched, and despite a little bit of a hiccup last year when he was hurt with Boston, he's been a more dominant pitcher when he's on the mound, and I'll get to Verlander again later. But yeah, Chris Sale, to recap, <laughs> I have Trout at one, I have Clayton Kershaw at two, I have Max Scherzer at three, and Chris Sale at four, and just my stance is he, Chris Sale does not have hardware, so I'm my some... Devil's advocate would play like, oh, Verlander has the two Cy Youngs. Chris Sale has never won a Cy Young before. Why is Chris Sale above Verlander in your list? I just look for more of the the, num- the numbers and the dominancy. And Chris Sale is also finishing the top five Cy Young award times, like five or six, I believe. So. Yeah, and top six every year from 2012 to 2018. He's a seven-time seven All-Star. And, I mean, frankly, one of the most underrated pitchers of the decade. Like, when we were coming up with these lists... And I was reading some articles about what other people were talking about, about some of their favorite players uh, and some of their top players of the decade. Chris Sale was appearing way more than I thought. And I looked at his stats, and I was thinking, oh, yeah, I remember this guy being really good. He's got a great nickname, too, the Condor, but that's besides the point. Listen, whether you like it or not, whether you liked him on the Red, on the Red Sox or on the White Sox, Chris Sale is one of the best pitchers in baseball throughout the past decade. There's no arguing about it. I wouldn't put him ahead of Scherzer or Verlander, but he is number five on my list. So now we're reverse now. So we have my four. Now we have your five. Wait, who's your? We have your four already, right? Yeah. So we did my four. Now we, yeah, we can almost go. So what, who's your five, Logan? Well, I'm going to tell you. So <laughs> I have Trout. I have Clayton Kershaw. I have Justin Verlander. I have Mad Max. My five is Joey Votto. Oh, boy. <laughs> and let me just point out... How can you have him ahead of Miggy? How? How could you do this? It's actually it's, it's much this. closer than you think. It's way close, and I'll give you a heads up. Miggy is right behind him at six, and it is close. But first, let me address why Sale isn't here, let alone ahead of Justin Verlander, but why he's not here. The stats, his strikeouts are second to none. Statistically, he's a strikeout wonder. He's actually the most dominant strikeout pitcher of this decade, and it's not really all that close. What sets it apart for me is he has thrown 25% less innings than even, you know, Scherzer, even Kershaw, who's actually pitched over 400 innings more. That's two full seasons, if not even more. You're talking about a guy who is, in, it is remarkable what he's able to accomplish on in war and all these catch-all stats, as well as the compilation stats of strikeouts and innings pitched and stuff like that. But he's just not there because he hasn't thrown enough. To me, to put him above someone like Verlander, who's just had the success for longer, it's, it's remiss to say that he's there. However, let me talk about briefly Votto. Who is such an anomaly, and he only works really in the StatCast era and just this era of analytics. I love Votto, but I want to hear why you have him so high. I'm going to tell you. So high? I mean, he's like... He's incredible. Uh, All right, yeah, let's put some respect on his name. All right, of so he course has, I would. He has an MVP. Let's say it the right Canadian now. Wonder is amazing. <laughs> Joey Bats, 
Not Joey Bats. That's actually a different player. <laughs> Lemory Frizz. I wish his nickname was Joey Bats. We love Jose Bautista, too. He's not here, though. Maybe an honorable mention for some. I don't know. But, um, yeah, Joey Votto is third among hitters in war of this decade, only behind Mike Trout by a mile, and very close above him is Buster Posey, who I'm going to get to soon. But Votto is third in war. He's got an incredibly high walk rate, actually highest in this decade. He also never struck out. There's actually a crazy stat, Matt. You could back me on this because you probably know it. Before last year, he had never popped up to first base in his career oh, yeah, and gotten that. out. I think he was just scared of his own position. Maybe. I, was- <laughs> I don't think people realize how ridiculously good this guy's eye and hit tool was. And that's not even talking the fact that he had the home runs. He didn't have the playoff success, although he was buried on a terrible roster for a very long time. And yeah, he really, only just really, got a pretty solid roster, and now he's a little late for that career. now. Yeah. yeah, no, he was on also an incredibly hard division as well. I mean, the Cubs, towards the end there, got really crazy good. The Pirates had a couple years. Good. Cardinals are always amazing. Yeah, I mean, give me Votto any day. Also, not even to talk about his defense and on-base skills. I mean, he's with the best first-base defender, and it's not even that close, really. And... He's definitely got the on-base skills of anyone in the league. Give me Votto all yeah. day at five. We also really didn't talk about, I don't love, you know, some people might bat an eye at war, but I was going to mention before how Mike Trout was kind of like the advent of the war, like, craze, of how Mike Trout just, all of his skills combined, like, he has by far the, the highest war in the league. Joey Votto is another guy that, like, is an analytics darling. He has a second high, he's a third highest war in this decade behind David Ortiz and Mike Trout. He has the second highest weighted runs created plus with 153. Joey Votto does everything you want to do as a baseball player. He hits for average, 306 average this decade. He has the highest OBP with 428 with a minimum of, with a minimum of 4,000 plate appearances. And he's still sl- and he slugs. I mean, he really hasn't had a, too many bad seasons. He's kind of been good throughout the entire decade, which is something I looked at. Were you good in the beginning of the decade? Did you sustain that? success throughout the decade, and Joey Votto has done that, and then some. Look, I, I think, I mean, it's it's no, like, six-time All-Star throughout the decade, OBB King throughout the decade, 428 OBP throughout the whole decade. Some people don't do that in their whole careers, let, and let alone over a 10-year stretch. And he led the in the category seven times, uh, on-base percentage plus slugging at 944 for someone who, yeah, I mean, he hits homers, but he doesn't hit as many homers as one might think a power hitter would, stereotypically. I love Joey Votto, but there's something to be said about value versus skill in baseball. I care to explain? You guys are very silent right now, but I'm just saying that war takes a lot into account that doesn't necessarily say all the hitter's raw skill. We talked before about designated hitters and how they hit a lot of home runs, but they don't feel... And that's why their war is low. There are stats within war that make it so valuable, but there are stats that you could pull out and leave on their own that could designate a player's abilities. I I agree that war could be a little misleading stat sometimes if you want to manipulate the data, but I do believe that that Joey Votto is not a guy that benefits wholeheartedly wholeheartedly from defensive no, analytics. No, of course not. This guy has one of the lowest strikeout rates in the league throughout the last decade. I mentioned before that his slugging is near the top of the league for qualified candidates. His weighted runs created plus is at the top of the league under Mike Trout. He has like amazing stats across the board, and I don't think he's someone that really gets too much love for war. I think he's placed where he belongs. Top of the game... Right so where is he on your list? So for so for Votto, it's a little crazy, crazy jumping back and forth for different players, but Joey Votto is my second highest hitter on the list. I have Joey Votto at six on my list. And just to round it out with my top six, since we talked about Justin Verlander so much, I have Trout one, I have Kershaw two, Scherzer three, Sale four, Verlander is at five. And I do make the distinction of putting Sale above Verlander because Sale has actually the second lowest ERA of the decade among qualified pitchers. Kershaw is first, like a, two, a crazy 2.31 ERA. Chris Sale's two, a 3.02. Less things than Verlander. That's what hurts him in Logan's eyes and Matt's eyes. But I look at the do- I look at the dominant statistics. But Verlander is five. You can't. I don't think Verlander can be any lower than five. 
So that that's where he will be. Votto is six. He's the second best hitter behind Mike Trout, and that's where he's on my list. I have Votto at seven, and it's only because Miguel Cabrera was the best hitter in baseball before Mike Trout. But we can get to him in a second. Well, we can talk about how one of the things the one of the things I liked about Joey Votto is how he really didn't he was he was good throughout the entire decade minus a poor injury plague season here or there. Miguel Cabrera was a force for the first half of the decade. Really he's, started. He has tailored off a lot, and since. that really uh, he was so amazing in the first six to seven seven tenths of the decade that you can't. He has to be on your top ten. But I do, you know, I do penalize it. I think you got to take a little bit off of him for the drop off the last three years. Oh, I do. Oh, yes, I do. And if he didn't drop off, he would probably be in my top three. So where is he now? now what, what's your top? He has, six he has Cabrera over Votto. So, so, I'll give you my top seven just as a recap. Trout, Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer, Sale, Cabrera, and Votto. I think our top six actually are the same player, just like kind of they are. mixed like the rankings. Yeah, I don't know how bit. you guys can disrespect Miguel Cabrera's back-to-back MVP seasons, but it's fine. Listen to this. From 2010 to 2016, Miguel Cabrera made the All-Star Game every single year. He won two MVPs back-to-back in 2012 and 2013. In 2012, it was a triple crown, which hadn't been done since 1967, from Carl Yastrzemski of the Red Sox. His seasonal averages for that time span, 186 hits, 34 home runs, 114 RBIs, and a 330 batting average. Not to mention the amount of times that he led the league in OBP, slugging, and OPS. I, I am well aware the numbers. That, that, that Miguel Cabrera... Uh, did not do as well for the last three years of the decade. I'm well aware of that. Do you want to know how close they are statistically for the last decade? Yeah, go ahead. The OPS for Joey Votto is 944, and Miguel Cabrera's OPS is 943. There you go. Miguel Cabrera's weighted runs created plus is 153. Joey Votto's weighted runs created plus is 153. So you're picking hairs between these guys. They've had different career arcs. Cabrera is really as a full-time DH now, and his hitting skills and his bat speed have clearly declined over the last three years. Look, he's a Hall of Famer, but that's not the discussion we're having right now. But I will say this. That seven-year stretch from 2010 to 2016 is why he's a Hall of Famer. That's why he's number six. Listen, I think it's this simple. I mean, we're talking between my five and six players right now. I have Votto, and then I have Miggy right up next. The reason for me here is defense and sustained success, as Brendan said. Votto... Up until really 2018, was the best first baseman in the National League, if not top three in the league, right? I mean, there's not even really that much of a debate there. Miggy was so incredible early on. Whether he deserved both of those MVPs, Trout had some crazy seasons there, but I'm not going to go that far. When Trout you win the Triple his. Crown and the AL pennant, you win MVP. That's just, it's I mean, listen, I, I won't even argue it. All I'm saying is defense matters, and the offense Miggy has, the defense and sustained success is Votto, I'll put them back-to-back 5-6. So now we all have our top six here, right? We do. Right. Well, actually, I have my top seven. I have my top seven. Yeah. Well, I'll top... tell you who's seven on mine, oh, and I don't think let's, anyone let's, has yeah, it. Let's refresh the listeners on everyone's top seven before we move forward, I feel. Once again. So, so it's a mixed bag between at least Brendan and I, and Logan will reveal his number seven. But basically, again, Trout, Kershaw, Scherzer, Verlander, Sale Cabrera Votto. Well, no, because I don't have Sale. Oh, right. I don't have Sale. So let me tell you my top six. So I have Trout, I have Kershaw, I have Verlander, I have Mad Max, and then I go hitter, hitter. I go Votto and Miggy. I don't think Sale's there yet. And we'll get to him. You're really punishing him on those innings. I I think the innings matter a lot. If you play a quarter less than other players, I think it matters. So I'm going to tell you who my seven is. I got Robbie Cano. God. I will, no. I, I'm, I'm, so I'm ready for this, this discussion. So that, oh, bring gosh. it on. Here's the thing. I am a Yankee fan, and this hurts me to say because I really want to hate him. And I wanted to say that he had a precipitous fall when he left the Yankees. However, that has been very overstated. When you really look at this here, he never won an MVP, although he, gained, he got really close a couple years on the Yankees. I think yeah, he's a top 100%. five finish. Maybe I remember those years. He was awesome. He was incredible to start, right? I mean, he got a crazy contract from Seattle. We know about this. There's the PED situation. That's definitely a concern. Which is why he's not even in my honorable mentions. But. Matt's definitely anti-steroids. <laughs> I'm definitely a case-by-case. Case. Here's my thing with Cano. I think he's there. I think when you're talking the top five best hitters of the decade, 
you gotta talk about him, right? You have to talk about the success he has had. Now, I really thought in my in my heart that he got a lot worse when he left Yankee Stadium. He really he really didn't. Guess his, it's not so much of a little league ballpark after yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, his games played are among the top in the league. I actually think they're second to McCutcheon as far as the top WAR guys. I mean, he's played a million at bats in games. He also is fifth in WAR, or actually, I'm sorry, yes, he's fifth in WAR behind guys like Trout, Vado, and then just McCutcheon and Posey. Now, Posey and McCutcheon are helped by defense. Cano is never known for his glove. However, he's not a bad defender. He's a pretty solid defender. A little nonchalant, but, you know, you got to love well, it. Yeah, he's I, got I, swagger. I mean... You got to love the swagger. He's got some crazy seasons under his belt, and he's still raking. He's raking still. I, I will say it's about Cano. He's... I will mention him in my honorable mentions, of course, later on. But Cano, for me, he's a war guy. War has him fifth among the players of the decade. I think, for me, I look at his year-by-year statistics... There's not really a ton of seasons that really jump off the page as being a top 10 player, considering the other people I have on my list. He has some nice seasons where he had 39 home runs with the Seattle Mariners. That's a lot for a second baseman. It's a lot for a second baseman. That's really by far far his best season. Most other seasons are his OPS is much closer to 800 or even below 800. And really, there's just other guys I have ahead of him. His OPS is really... Close to 800 for his career, even. Which isn't that great. Which isn't a super it's great... It's not his favorite style, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so he's really benefits from more, I think, in this in this discussion. But his really also his weighted runs created plus is also about 130, which is about 10 or 15 runs less than some of the other guys I have on this list. So Cano's an honorable mention. He's had longevity. He's still productive to this day. Not the same player he was with the Yankees. But Cano just misses my top 10. But, yeah, he's definitely played a lot. And for a second baseman, he would be a Hall of Fame-type guy if he wasn't had the, if he didn't have the steroid controversy still living over his head. So it's kind of a sad thing for sure, but Cano does not make my top ten. Look, the sad thing about the PED scandal is that it, it, it's, kind, it's a little bit uncertain, some of the circumstances. But... Just going off of my principles of wanting integrity in baseball, as much as I love loved Cano on the Yankees, I I can't include him on my list. I mean, you'll discover more of our opinions on steroids as we continue to to talk on this podcast to you guys. But yeah, I'm anti steroids. I do have a question so. for you though, because I don't have Cano on this on this list, and it's not because of the steroids. You have Cano, you just automatically have no Cano because of the steroids, but. Let's say Cano didn't do steroids. Like, which if you and if you just look at the numbers, would, are you still is Cano still making your top ten? Because we have different reasons for not for excluding Cano here. Well, well, look if 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 he would put up the same numbers if he didn't allegedly take steroids, and and again, it is heartbreaking for me to say even allegedly with that. Yeah, I would probably have him in here, probably. I mean, I would have to do more research, and I'm sure he would put up different statistics. Um, but I, I I think that I, I think that I would have him in here. I I don't think if he, he would be exactly in one to ten, but I think definitely in my honorable honorable mentions, maybe towards the top at like ten or nine. Listen, but, I'll tell yeah, you I can. why. This guy's a seven-time All Star. Yeah, he also is well on his way to three thousand hits. He also averaged. He's a second baseman doing all this. By I the think way. also has a different philosophy. Well, you go ahead with Canal. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you. He was he really was remarkably healthy. He had over almost seven hundred plate appearances for an eight year span up until two thousand eighteen. Where I mean, the being healthy isn't in. necessarily a skill, but no, I'll, give it it, to you. Well, I, I'll I, tell yeah. you why it is. Because longevity matters, and playing at bats, and playing games, and having one hundred ninety one on average hits a year. It's not that a matter of longevity. It's a matter of consistency. Boy. Longevity only helps consistency. And I think he's yeah. got both. Yeah, I think this is where we kind of maybe agree a little bit more. Is where. I have been looking at these statistics and looking for dominance and consistency. And really, like, I, Verlander, I don't think is a really a stack compiler, but I think in Cano's case, where he is approaching 3,000 hits, I do view him as more of a stack compiler that is benefited by the DH and really just, you know, he has stayed healthy and he has been, like, a pretty consistent hitter, but really the numbers are, aren't good enough for him to be on the top 10. Look, Robinson Cano, if you're listening to this podcast right now, our inaugural podcast of uh, Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly dose of dingers and zingers, you may not be on my list, but you're number one in my Yankees heart. Love you, buddy. 
Ah, uh, he's he's on my list. Oh, well, I kind of. Well, I think well, Cano was your seventh guy. He's my seventh guy. I think I have a hitter way better than well, not way way better than Robinson Cano, but definitely OPS suggests this. Paul Goldschmidt is my number. Woohoo! Paul Goldschmidt is my number Goldie. eight. Yeah, so I have, I have Goldschmidt as the third best, no, the fourth best hitter of this decade behind Joey Votto, Cabrera, and Mike Trout. His OPS is above a 900. It's 916 for the decade. His weighted runs created plus, I keep using that. I like these statistics. I don't really like Gotta love at, fan graphs. Gotta love fan graphs. I don't really love just looking at, oh, home runs and, and I mean, we could look at the home runs and RBI for Paul Goldschmidt, but he's not had a down year. He's right up there with, like, Cabrera and Goldschmidt. And his OPS is he's in his way one runs created plus are way better than Robinson Cano. I, don't know, I just I I think he gets overshadowed. He's a five tool player. He he really is. Everyone forgets about his speed, but again, just, he does have a good amount of stolen bases. That yeah, is true. First just, baseman with a really good glove too. Exactly. He's a Gold Glover. He's a Silver Slugger. He's a six time All Star. Always an MVP candidate. On average, for the decade, 27 homers, 90 RBIs, a 292 batting average, 391 OBP, and, although he's been traded since, the face of the Arizona, Car- uh, Arizona Cardinals, St. That Louis Cardinals, that is <laughs> well, why yeah. he just combined his teams, St. Louis Cardinals, but Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah. He was the face of that franchise, and I know that's not exactly quantifiable, but I mean, you gotta give it to the guy. Like, he, he took over fans' hearts. He Goldie really was, silently though, very silently. I, I listen. I do because the Diamondbacks Goldie. don't get enough. Also, off. if we do look at Goldschmidt's stats for the decade, and we take out one year, twenty fourteen, where he missed half the season, he's hit twenty plus home runs every year of the decade. He's a productive hitter. That's the bottom line. That's and his lowest line. OPS of the decade is is twenty nineteen. Is low is last season with the, with the Cardinals with an eight twenty one. Cano's, that's one of, that would be Cano, one of Cano's highest OPSs. That's fair. This is what I'll say, and I think positions matter here, and I'll tell you why. Defensively, they are both extremely good, Cano and Goldie we're talking about here. This is what kind of matters here. When you have a slugging second baseman compared to a first baseman where you... I don't know you, if I would call Cano a slugger. I really don't. Really? Yeah, I don't know. All right, so you have a 3,000 pace hitter. Yeah, so that's not a slugger. So, all right, so you have one of the best pure hitters there at second go. base. That's fine. That's well, fine. I'll concede there. Compared to a player playing at first base where if your first baseman's not hitting, especially that's a home run hitting position... I don't know that 20 homers is the benchmark that, we're looking that's for. That's such a myth. You can't designate. like like. I think you can. Mike Schmidt hit, hit 500 home runs at third base, and, and George Brett hit 3,000 hits. So you, you can't. I know, but I'm saying in a, in, a, in a decade where there were so many good first basemen, it's telling that Goldschmidt never stood out enough to win an MVP. I, again, I, I, I can't penalize if, him for not winning an award. Neither you, can I because Cano has it, but Cano's gotten closer. And I, I think that's uh, what I'm talking know. about. Goldschmidt's gotten close too. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Look, this Cano's got I, I can, top five over finishes. a certain amount Cano, of seasons. You can't quantify how exactly dude, close like they were. Four top five finishes for Cano. That's a lot. That's a that's a hell of a lot. For well, Cano. actually, Goldschmidt was the runner-up twice this decade, and it was the third the uh, third place in 2017. So really, he's been closer than Cano, I think. Nah, I'll take the top five five times, but. Is it because of, of the down year in St. Louis? No, the, the, I do love the, the quote Mason on, Cardinals. The quote-unquote down year in no, St. Louis I, I, listen, when he hit over 30 home runs. Listen, gold is in my honorable mentions. I just oh, don't man. think he deserves this. That's this insulting. High. That's really insulting. Maybe it is. I think Goldsmith. Okay, well... So we're, we're, so we're at top seven now? That I'm on top eight. eight. I think. And then, so Paul Goldsmith is nine for me. All right, so who's, who's your eighth? Guys... He won a Cy Young in 2009, but that doesn't count for this episode. But he did do a couple of great things in the past decade. I'm talking about Zach Greinke. He was a very interesting case because I actually, like, when I first... It was was, tough. I was was mulling the names of this list. Zach Greinke did not really pop into my mind right away just because he's been through so many different teams with the Royals, got traded to the Brewers, got traded to the Angels, got signed with the... The Dodgers. Dodgers. He opted out of his contract with the Dodgers and signed with the Diamondbacks. He got traded to the Astros for such a, for such an amazing pitcher. He has been on plenty of teams this decade and succeeded and, everywhere. And well, he, except for this, his debut year in Arizona, he's been great wherever he's been. And now, like without Verlander and Cole this season, he's been their the Astros' clear cut ace and is leading them to the playoffs. So yeah, Granke definitely 
he snuck into my top ten, but yeah, you you have a little bit higher than I do, so you can go ahead about Grant. Yeah, five-time All-Star over the decade, 1.109 whip, 318 ERA. He's a Cy Young candidate pretty much every year throughout the decade, except for that uh, subpar first year in Arizona. Granky, I mean, look, we we didn't really as as baseball fans of of New York, Yankees and Mets fans. I guess we just didn't see Granky that much. I, I guess He's you know we in the West for like his yeah exactly career, we yeah. we forgot about his his sub two ERA in L A. We forgot about his great years in Arizona. Uh, he should have won a Cy Young in L A. He, he, he came off close. Him and Kershaw really got snubbed there that year. It's close. Yeah, no, it's 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 the. It's the seasonal averages that really get it for me. I mean, I love that whip. The ERA is great. Again, no Kershaw, but no He actually Kershaw. has the third lowest ERA, but I mentioned before Kershaw and Sale are top two. Ranky's three, just for... Over, over just the for, decade. For the, for, yeah, for the decade. Over the last decade, Granky has the third lowest ERA. So even though his strikeouts are his, are, doesn't give him the sexiness that Scherzer and Verlander have... Like, Granke's stuff and his ability to, like, make weak contact really has given him plenty of success into his later part of his career. And, I mean, he's a total stud. I mean, he literally tells hitters what's coming. I mean, who's also again, that's confidence right there. Listen, you guys, I, I feel like you keep ignoring this for some weird reason. He's also, like, one of the best fielding pitchers in the that's league. That's fair. All year right. in, year out. <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, wait, you can't. I mean, there are pitchers. John Lester can't throw to first. I mean, there are guys that are incredible. <laughs> why are you taking shots at John Lester? I'll take shots at anyone. I don't care. Listen, he's, he's, a, he's a fielder. He's not just a pitcher. He feels the position. I mean, that's important. That adds value to your team. I mean, yeah. I, 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 listen, he is so Barely an honorable mention. He's just almost a 10A in my list. He's just in the honorable mentions as my first guy off the bench. But my eighth pick, I also think I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. I'm going with a catcher, and I don't even love it, but I'll tell you what, Posey was just so good for even longer than I thought he was. And we were talking about this earlier today, and I had no idea that he was as good war-wise or just batting average-wise until you said it. He's just purely dominant at the position. I mean... It's him and Yachty throughout the decade. Right. I mean, I even... I even... I somehow forgot that Posey actually played almost his entire career in this decade, whereas I wrongfully kind of grouped him with Maurer, which isn't really fair. Maurer debuted long ago. No, but in my head, they seem so similar, but really, Posey actually separates himself very quickly. He wins Rookie of the Year. Within two years, he already has a ring and an MVP as a catcher. I mean, two rings in an MVP. You're right. Well, then he wins three. Yeah. I mean, it, he's he's incredible. I mean, what he does behind the plate defensively. I mean, there's there is it's well documented what he did for that pitching staff. I mean, I'm a huge fan of what he did. And if you even just ignore the defense, yeah. I mean, his WAR is top five. He's incredible. Yeah. But his hitting. I mean, being well, a catcher who could hit for average is not a just skill. average. Elite average for yeah. the MLB. Oh, I mean, that skill. wins you rings. There's a reason why he's got the most rings out of anyone in the decade. Yeah, he does. Well, this, is Posey on your on your top ten list? He's not. He he is my my very last honorable mention. But he snuck in there. I'll tell you that. Well, I, yeah, I don't have Posey in my top ten. He is on my honorable mentions, and there's really just one reason why he's on my honorable mentions because he has accumulated a lot of war within the last decade. He's just number two behind Mike Trout. But when I when you dig into more of the advanced statistics, he's really ha- there's been way more productive hitters over the past decade it's, than it's him. It's just a matter of him doing all of this as a catcher. I I, I agree with you, but I'm not gonna give him I agree, but I'm not gonna penalize a different player that I think that has performed better than Posey. Posey's OPS for the decade is eight twenty eight. That's not great. He's That's had some. Right. He's had some up and down seasons. But he's not a power hitter. He doesn't slug that yeah, much. Let's let's let's, and also, let's also let's look at weighted runs created plus. Again, I use weighted runs created plus a lot. You love that. It's favorite. about one. It's about one twenty. There's players. That's a slugger statistic. We're talking about an average hitting catcher. That's important. Right, look, look, I will, we can I look at his average. Say. He has not hit 330 since his MVP season. He's hit over 300 every year. Nah. Is, that's not true. <laughs> on, average, on average, yes. On average, yes. I will say, though, yes, Logan, I did. I was just hypocritical when I talked about positions. Catches are a different breed. I think we could all agree on that. I, I think the the, I think the strain on their leg. The the <laughs> I think Posey just misses it for me, but, again, I'm not hating on him. He's a... Top two in war. I think you're hating he, on him. Yeah, res- respect the go, go on, going on a, Going on an honorable mention list for top third of the decade is a pretty nice pat in the bat. He's, again, just, there's other players deserving 
I think. Look, we grew up with Posey. We love Posey. Why don't we? I, and I agree. I mean, you have Posey over Paul Goldschmidt, and I think that's a terrible. I don't know. I, I just it's different, different, differing philosophies of productivity and slugging and, and impact on the game. So maybe so, but that's my top eight. Now we're all at top eight, right? Has anyone I think I'm nine? at top nine. I'm pretty who was sure. Your I'm on. I did my top eight. All right, Matt. Who was your nine? My nine, nine was Goldschmidt. All right, we talked about Goldschmidt pretty well. All right, Brendan, why don't you tell me what your nine is? So my nine is a guy we have not talked about at all. Most of these players that we've talked about so far are either either they're in the prime or they're you know they're still playing. This player retired a few years ago. He's, he was the third baseman of the Texas Rangers. His name is Adrian Beltre. He does not get as much appreciation as people really should be giving him. He had basically two two acts for his career. First, when he came up with the Dodgers and the Mariners, and then really when he got traded to Boston, he kind of had a career renaissance and became a slugger with Texas with the Texas Rangers. He is he's a slugger with three thousand career hits. So that's that's skill in and of itself. His OPS, which I mentioned a lot, is not as great as other players, but he has a really high batting average with 307 for the decade. His war is top 10. It's actually top 7. So Beltre gets there for me, also with his defense again. So the war, the batting average, I, I just think, you know, also that's the home runs. Uh, he's just, you know, a really complete player. And I get, there, are, there are other guys that I did not include on my list that have higher wars than him, such as McCutcheon. And Robinson Cano, they have higher wars than Beltre. But Beltre was good every year of the decade, and he's had better seasons, better peaks than Cano and McCutcheon, and more consistency. So I'm awarding Beltre my ninth spot. Every year that he played, at least, he, he did retire a couple of years ago. Uh, look, Beltre's on my honorable mentions list. He's great. Again, 3,000 hits as a power hitter, not over 500 home runs, which are benchmarks for the Hall of Fame. But he put up monster stats throughout his entire career. It was great until the day he retired. His season, his season before retiring, he had a nine fourteen OPS, nine fifteen OPS. I will say that there are some steroid skeptics out there that say some stuff about Adrian Beltre, but nothing is confirmed about it. So that's not why he's not in my top ten. And I will say, we, we you know we talk a lot about you know you guys have mentioned All Star. He made five All Star games, four All Star games in the decade, couple top a top three MVP. In 2012, when he hit 312 with a 921 OPS, this guy was a stud when he played. And he basically, yeah, he didn't play to 2019. He retired in 2018, but still had a 763 OPS that year with a 273 batting average. It's not a bad, you know, send-off for a Hall of Fame player. I agree. And here's where he's on my list. I mean, we're, we're jumping around just a bit. He's at 10 for me. We'll come back to my 9. Uh, for the same reasons I like Cano is why I like Beltre. I mean, I just think Cano's higher. He just did it for longer in this decade. Really, I mean, the, the two of them remind me a lot of each other. It's just um, a matter of debuts. I just think right. Beltre yeah. had better seasons than Cano did. But I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I just think... The, I think I, I, I agree. That's why they're both my top ten. But, uh, yeah, so that's... I mean, that's my ten. We didn't get to my nine, though. I mean, we, we haven't spoke about him for about a half an hour now. But Chris L is my nine. Right? I oh, didn't forget about him. I didn't forget about him, but here's the thing. I'm glad. I'm glad you didn't forget about Look, him. Look, I have my top three pitchers at two, three, four. Is this such a hot take? This is the hottest of takes. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I just, I've been harping the same. I, I really tried to keep this consistent, and I really tried to reward the people that played the longest and that played the consistency into their favor. And I will penalize you if you missed seasons or if you had... Seasons that don't really come to mind. But it's like, despite those numbers, he put up monster statistics. Chris and that's Sale. why he's top 10. He's just not above guys that That's so long. great. I'm so glad you love Chris Sale. But why don't you, to, to use your words, why don't you put respect on his name? Come on. I, listen, he's my fourth <laughs> best pitcher. And I, to be completely honest, I was very, very close to putting Granky above him. That's how much I prefer is a Granky, hardware. Is Granky in your top 10 or his honorable mention? He is so close to 10, but I have him as my honorable mention. Right, one. right, okay. But here's my thing. I'm, I'm harping on it. I've been talking about the awards. He has none. The longevity, he has so few innings compared to the other three pitchers I have. And it almost actually cost him a spot in the top 10. But he was so dominant in the games that he played, I have to put him in there. But it's, it's, we've talked about it. Or maybe we should talk about it more really just quickly. He really does not 
keep the same level of success at the end of seasons that he does in the beginning. He wears down. It's why he's never won an award. He has no playoff success, really, of note, until, especially until he got to the Red Sox. I mean, I can't fault him for being on horrible rosters, but I don't know. It's, he's not the guy for me, but he is the fourth-best pitcher, so I'm not going to disrespect him any farther than that. He's my 9, and Beltre's my 10. Is that your top 10? That's my top 10. That's your full top 10? I think I... Um, we do my whole top 10? I think we did my 8-9 with Goldschmidt and Beltre. And I talked about Zach Greinke before a bit, and he's my 10. And I, yeah, I mentioned that I didn't really, he didn't, his name didn't pop off the page with me. But again, you know, all these all-star games all, with all these, all these different teams, he's he never really had a bad year except for the year in Arizona. And really his ERA is the third lowest of the decade. So I, I do, like, that's pretty important. You know, I, I do like sale for the strikeout rate, but at the end of the day, you need to, like, prevent runs from scoring. That's where Kershaw and Sale thrive. Granky, I do have, you know, below Scherzer and Verlander because Granky's strikeout rates are, you know, so so much lower. But, yeah, Granky is the top five in war. And Granky gets on my list because, really, I think Granky, I believe he edges – no, Posey has a superior war than Granky. But, again – it's pitches I, to catchers. But it's it's, pitches, it's, weird, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a weird – It's yeah, it's not a super – yeah, so Granky. Yeah, I think we all agree that Granky is like the top, top, the top fifth pitcher. But so we all have our top ten. No, we do not. I have to reveal my number ten hitter. Um, he he's raked throughout the whole decade. He debuted in twenty ten. Sure, he's injury prone, but you know what? Don't see post to Parlo. John Carlos Stanton's number ten for me. It's very simple. Even though he's a four-time All-Star because of the injuries, he's got 308 home runs in a 10-year span. That's almost 31 home runs a year. That's well on his way to 500 home runs. Uh, he, he could have hit 400 if he was injured. I don't play the what-if game like that. I still think the 308 home runs uh, in a 10-year span are great. Ever since the StatCast era in 2015, he has been towards the top in terms of exit velocities uh, amongst just regular balls in play and home runs in general. I mean, we've all seen... Logan, we, we're Yankee fans. We, we see him hit home runs all the time, and, and we love it. I wish it. we saw it more. I wish he could play, but yeah. Of course, but... You're right. No, look, I, this, this is where... It, his war may not be as good as the other hitters that we've stated on this podcast, but I, I, love, I love the skill that Stanton shows with the home runs. I love it. You, I you have to love it. He, he surprised me when I was doing my research for this podcast, and... It really, I mean, he has the most home runs of the decade. I mean, he was hurt a lot. The best single season home run number of the decade with 59 in well, 2017. Yeah. His right. OPS of the decade, I mean, again, I don't love him because I've watched him a lot with the Marlins, and he's kind of the guy that, like, he's an all-or-nothing type of hitter where he'll strike out like, three sliders in the dirt and then hit a rocket in his fourth at-bat. And that's what we love. <laughs> and he's had, like, you know, seasons where you think, man, this is where Giancarlo is going to, you know, stop his foot down and be one of the best players in the league and stay healthy and... He signed a huge extension with the Marlins, and you can't, you think, wow, like, okay. Like, that's pretty cool for the Marlins to, like, lock down an MVP guy. He got traded to the Yankees after winning an actual MVP. And I don't know, his, his numbers are better than what you think because he's, has, he's not super clutch. He is injured a lot, and people do hate on him a lot because he's not fulfilled to certain people's expectations of when he debuted. His OPS for the decade is above 900. It's 905. It's right behind Paul Goldschmidt. And I... He is an honorable mention for me because I had to include Beltre on my list. I had to show Beltre some love, but Sandin is one of my honorable mentions. It's very simple. There's skill in hitting mad dingers. I guess you're right. So now our top tens are listed. Right, I mean, I think we could just go one by one and just quickly list our honorable mentions. Yeah, sure. My first one, I talked about it. Granky nearly gets onto my list, but he's my first honorable mention. And then a guy that we didn't have in our top ten, but I think he's real, real close. My second honorable mention is David Price. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he oh, had... Nice, we can have a conversation about that. <laughs> ah, maybe we could. I mean, he he has the Cy Youngs, right? Or Cy Young, he really should have won he another. He should have had the Cy Young in Toronto. Yeah, really got robbed there. Because he got mean, traded. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is. CC didn't win it when he got traded. I mean, it's a precedent there. But uh, he's, I'm a big fan of his. I mean, his ERA is definitely higher than some of the other guys. He definitely is... Horrific against the Yankees, which is unfortunate because he's played for so many AL East teams. But I, I, I'm a big fan of his. I got Goldie at three in my honorable mentions. I mean, I, I do love him. I love what he's done. I mean, we've talked about him. Another guy we didn't talk about much is Donaldson. I have him at four. Donaldson, I do not have my honorable mentions, but you'd be maybe 
in he's weird. down the line, but he's pretty close for me. It's, I, it's yeah. weird. I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, 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 wish, I really wish he had more success earlier in the decade. And yeah. Then, I mean, even towards the end. But you know what? Last year he was Right incredible. before his trade to Toronto is when he really picked up. And yeah, but he had Towards the middle of the decade. years. Yeah, I mean, he's got the MVP. Well, I, I'm there. Again, awards do it for me. When you, when you are voted as the best player uh, any given year and you're constantly in the discussion, you got to respect that over some other guys. I mean, he won the hardware. And then the fifth guy for me is Stanton for pretty much the same reasons as Donaldson, except I value Donaldson's health just a bit more. However... Uh, he hits mad dingers. That's true, although Donaldson also had some injury issues more recently. But, yeah, Stanton rounds up my top five for honorable mentions, and that's my list, boys. I do want to, just so we don't repeat ourselves, I do have Cano. I talked about Cano. talked about Stanton. I talked about Posey. They're all my honorable mentions. Did not, did not make my top ten. I did want to have a discussion, though, because David Price is one of your honorable mentions. I have Steven Strasburg as the sixth best pitcher of the decade, and he's my on my honorable mentions he has pitched like about 400 less innings than David Price over the over the decade. There it is. That's but it. That a, wasn't what I thought. He has yeah. a pretty pretty um his his WAR is pretty much exactly the same in 400 less innings. He's just been more dominant, higher strikeout rate, lower ERA. If you he also just hasn't had a bad season. I I really like. Look for dominancy and consistency. That's been the theme of my analysis here. Steven Strasburg has never had a bad year. David Price had some pretty okay years when we went to Boston, but really most of these stats that are shown here for the decade are basically the beginning or the mid part of the decade. Steven Strasburg has been so underrated because of his draft status, but he's been super really good behind Scherzer and for that he makes my list my top six pitcher he was great the entire decade but not as dominant as people might have expected and he's a little bit behind Granky and the other guys we mentioned before but Strasburg I think is definitely above price and then for my last honorable mention is someone that has a, another steroid cloud hanging over his head but his name is Nelson Cruz oh god and he's <laughs> one of the best hitters in the game today he also he hits also, mad dingers he also was one of the best players one of the best sluggers in the game in 2010 when he was with the texas rangers and they were making that run to the alcs and the world series twice in a row nelson cruz because he's a dh because he's had steroid scandals because he's been you know through a different a few different losing teams with the mariners now he's turned things around with the twins he does not get enough love his war is not where you expect for the other leaders because he hasn't played the field. But it's pretty... He's in the top 30. You can't, I, I, you can't fault for someone for, for just not being able to play the field. Like, like I'm, I'm, His I'm OPS, pro DH. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it's kind of Nelson Cruz's I'm DH, DH is 888. And he has almost one of the... He's really close to Giancarlo Stanton. So I think if Stanton and Cruz are pretty comparable... I know Stanley plays the field, so his, his war is higher. I don't know. But in terms of... For, for most of the decade, now he's a DH with the Yankees, but yes. Yeah, so Cruz has, again, has been dominant the whole decade. He's matched wherever he's gone. He's in for the steroid thing. He has been good before and after any steroid issues. Which, he's been might, a, he's which almost, might be good or bad, he's depending almost, on how you look at it. He's almost, he's almost gotten better as he's gotten older, as he's gotten past these steroid issues. So, yeah, I don't think Cruz gets enough love. He cannot make my top 10 just because, you know, there's other hitters, other sluggers that made it above him. But, you know, I clearly love sluggers and OPS based on this podcast, but Cruz <laughs> couldn't make okay. it for me. So, yeah. So, that, that, that rounds up my top players of the decade. So, we've talked about pretty much everyone uh, on my list. Uh, the, the anomalies that are in my top 10 uh, include Zach Granke, Paul Goldschmidt, Giancarlo Stanton, we all agree that they're awesome, but yeah, they make my top ten. In terms of honorable mentions, we've discussed Adrian Beltre. We've talked about David Price. I love the comparison with the with the DH with with between Price and Strasburg. I think that's really important. I uh, think so too. I was going to say it. Yeah, yeah. I and think then it's and huge. yeah, that's that. Yeah, and playing the AL East. But I, well, then, but then but if, okay, but then when well, Price, Price didn't always play in when, the AL when East. Price fair a yeah. lot of it though a lot of it, but um. And then we talked about Posey. I'm going to give a quick shout-out to all my reliever fans out there and put Craig Kimbrell on the list. He's been the best closer of the decade. Sure, he fell off a little bit with the Red Sox, and he hasn't been this great this year um, with the Cubs. 
but eh, this year isn't in the past decade. Um, yeah, he's got over 250 career saves so far, all in the 2010s, um, and just just an overall just an overall dominating presence uh, on the mound. And then my last honorable mention, my favorite player in baseball. If only, if only he played more time in the. I decade. thought you said you don't do play ifs. I don't do what ifs. That's why he's not in the top ten, I guess. That's why he's not in the top ten. But he makes the top honorable mentions anyway. Nolan Arenado. Coors effect aside, Arenado is a modern-day Mike Schmidt without the mustache. He's got power. He's got defense. And he even hits for a little bit of average. He's a little been, bit. A little bit. But just enough for me to love him oh so dear so much. Um, but besides that, Nolan Arenado has led the league in home runs a couple of times throughout the decade. He's won a gold glove every single year that he's played. He is the best third baseman in baseball, and at the current moment, one of the top hitters in baseball. But again, he didn't debut at the start of the decade, so his stats are kind of hindered when you look at it over that 10-year stretch. That's why he's not in my top 10, but he is in my honorable mentions. So yeah, yeah. I think that rounds out all of our top 10s. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that I was right and you guys were wrong, but that's okay. That's, that's fine. Well, uh, agree to disagree here. <laughs> I think that's part of baseball, man. And it's part of baseball. I think it's good that we all have different opinions on like how we value different players because it, it still means that like the game is going to be interesting. It's going to be that, that teams are going to be different and the game's going to be competitive. And We're in a golden age in all sports, but definitely baseball is up there between our, I mean, just even Trout and Kershaw alone. I mean, yeah. there's the sheer talent in sports right now is there. Um, and yeah, Brendan's right. Well, I mean, it's a testament to the spread, you know? And yeah, before we, uh, you pretty much, and our conversation starts to die down. I kind of just want to like on the, like, you know, improvise and say, you know, I'm throwing out Juan Soto as okay. one of the top <laughs> one of the one of the top ten players of the 2020s. Early prediction. <laughs> oh, yeah, prediction. Uh, okay, all right, that's fair. Well, we'll get to the top players of the 2020s in about ten years. So stick around for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my money is on Acuna. If you're gonna give me the two, one of the two, but all right, I'm, all right. My, my money is on maybe us not doing this in ten years. But you know <laughs> what? With your help, we can. So uh, make sure to follow this podcast on any podcast provider out there. We appreciate you guys listening to us. We hope you enjoyed our inaugural episode of Baseball for Breakfast, your weekly dose of dingers and zingers. And we ultimately hope that you guys have just the most wondrous day, especially if it's filled with America's pastime. Thanks again for listening.